What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Spotcast, Season 6, Episode 15. My name is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there, kids. And we have the lovely and talented Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? One of these days, John, you, you and I have to say in unison with him, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Just for fun. Well, we all have our sign-ins. I think we could all do each other's uh, pretty pretty easily. I think That's we should true. just like, try and do the whole intro simultaneously. Mm. Welcome to Spotcast. My yeah, name is Tim Welcome to Yes, that's true. That's who I am. I, we just mess with our audience and like, Jaime can do your part, you do my part, yeah. and I'll do, yeah, we'll just like completely throw yeah, people welcome off. Yeah, He's Tim Mitra. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Alrighty. So we have some fact check, obviously, but it's not me this time. It's Jonathan. Yes, I will start our fact check. So, uh, yeah, the... A couple episodes ago, I was talking about how they were moving the Young Indiana Jones series onto Disney+. Plus. I had seen that online and was like, hey, this is interesting because it's never been on a streaming service before. And I thought it was strange because I had been sort of checking in as, you know, I'm looking at other things on Disney+, Plus, thinking, well, it's it's got to be here somewhere. And it, it still hadn't popped up. And I thought, well, that's peculiar because they had put the movies on, obviously, in conjunction with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny opening this week. And I thought that's really weird. So I looked it up this week to sort of see what was going on. And apparently it's exclusive to America. So no Disney pluses outside of America are able to watch the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, or I think they're calling it the adventures of young Indiana Jones now, but yeah, the only place you can watch it is in America. If you have Disney or Jonathan's house. Well, I do have all the DVDs. However, I did notice (laughs) last night. They're not 4k enough for you. I did notice last night that it is now available on the Apple iTunes store where you can download the full season for 20 bucks Canadian. But Mm -hmm. it's not the full season because there actually is an episode missing. 
Oh, really? So I don't understand exactly what's happening with this series. And I don't know because I can't see it. And maybe this is a little experiment for next week for Jaime to go in and actually look what's available on Disney Plus in America. Because for some reason, what's available through the iTunes store does not include the episode near the end of the run that has Harrison Ford as a bookend to the episode called uh, something about jazz. I can't remember what the hell the episode's called, but yeah, it's very strange. I looked at it and I was like, that's strange because I'm sure there's more episodes than this. I looked at it. I'm like, yeah, that ain't right. So I don't know what's going on with all this. I don't know if it's a rights issue. I don't know if it's a, it's a a payment issue. I, I don't know what the deal is. I haven't seen any stories that, explain this to me but you can't watch it for disney plus subscribers outside of america and if you download the or purchase the season here in on itunes you're not getting the full season so either way very strange yeah that is really weird so, so but it, but is it out already on america yes apparently it was the end of may just as and that's honestly that's when i brought it up because i saw there was an announcement that was like all the Indiana Jones is all coming to Disney Plus. And I was like, oh, cool. All the movies, all the shows. Excellent. And then I just kept looking and looking and it was never showing up. I thought, oh, maybe I got the date wrong. Maybe it wasn't coming until the movie came out. And yeah, this week I was like, that's strange. It still hasn't come out. And that's what sort of led me down this rabbit hole. But uh, yeah, so I was mistaken. It is not available to our Canadian listeners. It is available if you're an American listener. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm be curious to know what exactly is available on Disney Plus given this unusual thing they've done on the iTunes Store. So you know what I say? I say I say we we don't record a podcast. Jaime turns on SharePlay and we watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Or not? Because I'm sure you probably can't do SharePlay cross border or something silly like that. If you don't have the content, I bet you it doesn't want to play because I think it just syncs up our playbacks. It doesn't like airplay it to you as far as i would know could be wrong oh yeah that doesn't make sense that does make sense but i mean yeah but i, I mean in theory like you should be able, uh, i don't know how could you share play like a whole movie or something like that but i guess maybe you can't anyway all right so moving on to the fact check we were talking last week about the cage and the um what's it called now menagerie and uh gary lockhart played commander lieutenant commander gary mitchell in Where No Man Has Gone Before, which was actually, which is the second pilot made with William William Shatner, but it wasn't, as I said, the first episode broadcast. It was the third episode broadcast. So there you go. And then uh, we had a big long discussion last week. Um, maybe most of you tuned out. I don't know about uh, AI. And Jonathan asked the question, "Am I the artist?" If he was directing the artwork, and and I thought of a couple of. I listened to that episode again today, and. And I was thinking to myself, well, yeah, there has been precedence in the art world where, in fact, that is, in, that is what happened. One, one artist is Saul Lewitt. I saw Saul Lewitt's work in, um, I think it was Washington, D.C., and it was basically on the dry, like on the painted wall, like the drywall wall, drawn with pencil, right? And it's a big, giant X. And it's all done with little tiny, you know, small etchings with a pencil. And I happen to know about this because my friend Eugene, who I went to high school, art school with, had a summer job drawing for Saul Lewitt. So in other words, Saul Lewitt would tell the young artists what to do and they would do it. And then he would sign, you know, the work would be attributed to him, even though he didn't actually, maybe he sharpened the pencils. I don't know. Handed them out, bought them cookies, maybe milk. I don't know. But he didn't actually do the artwork. It was actually done by the students. And yet it's still attributed to him. 
Another example of that is, and this is like in the Renaissance, there was all kinds of studios where artists would go and study. And there are famous works by Verrocchio, who at one point in time, I'm not sure if he had Michelangelo as a student, but he did definitely have uh, Leonardo as a student. Leonardo, not Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo da Vinci. Um, and there's a painting I've got a link here too called The Baptism of Christ, which um, even though it's signed and owned and commissioned by Verrocchio in his studio, his salon, I guess, whatever they called it back then. Uh, but it, the art world has basically said, this is 100% a Leonardo da, Leonardo da Vinci painting. So again, another case where art produced by somebody else, but attributed to someone. So I mean, in theory, yeah, you could direct an AI and technically be the artist, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I can think of a more contemporary example of that too. So there have been a number of cartoonists over the last 50 years who have created an intellectual property, for example, Jim Davis and Garfield. Jim Davis created Garfield, drew Garfield, wrote Garfield for years, and then at a certain point, Jim stopped doing it, and other people have been writing it and drawing it, and Jim takes credit for it. Like he, they didn't even put the other people's names as inkers or whatever? No. I mean, again, as like a daily newspaper strip, it's all still attributed to Jim Davis. I'm sure if you went into, you know, some sort of detail, you could probably find out who works in his studio. And I don't know if he's still involved at all in the sort of day-to-day production of those strips, but it's it's attributed as Jim Davis, you know, is the, the person behind this, but he is in fact not the person behind this. And I know that there's been a number of examples of that through cartooning where sort of... I think Peanuts was another one too, right? Wasn't it? it wasn't I can't remember. I'm trying to remember if Sparky Schultz stopped doing it at some point or if it was, if it was, you know, him right to the end. But uh, yeah, there's definitely been a number of artists who either their, their kids have taken over or, you know, they've hired a, an assistant to do, you know, they'll, again, they'll just sort of be like, you know, there is sort of the, yes, that's appropriate, and no, it's not, rubber stamp kind of thing. So, yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's definitely not without precedence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, let's move to the headlines, and Jaime, you're up first. Yeah, um, I'm not even sure how to, uh, how to cover this news, so I'll talk about it as if it was in real time. So what I put in the show notes here was that Star Trek Prodigy uh, is canceled and will be removed from Paramount+. Plus. Actually, turns out, uh, the will be happened like three days later. So before we even recorded this very episode, uh, you can check right now. Uh, Star Trek Prodigy is not at all on Paramount Plus, and and the the canceled part is a little bit more complicated too. So the show is no longer on Paramount Plus, right? So there's no but, season two, nothing. It's just well, gone. Season two was already in post production, and I think the hope here is that they'll shop it around to somewhere else. Oh, to actually, you know, idea. stream the show. Um, so in the meantime, you can purchase uh, DVDs and Blu-ray copies, but only of the first 10 episodes, uh, which they sort of split it into sort of like two seasons, right? Remember, we were trying to figure out, wait, is this is this the second half of the first season? Is this a new season? What's going on? Um, you, you can get these on Apple TV, um, YouTube TV, Prime Video, but critically... As far as I can tell, only the first 10 episodes. So you can't even have like a completionist thing. So it's just the like weirdest sort of thing that seems to be happening. Very similar to what uh, HBO did with HBO Max back in the day before they migrated to Max, where they said, all right, 
as just red wedding all of these different series <laughs> and call them as uh, as tax write offs. Yeah, it seems to be what's happening here. Yeah. Well, good news, everyone. It is on Cra- uh, Crave TV right now. <laughs> all nineteen episodes, or however. For now. Yeah, for now. Yeah, we'll see. I just looked. I just looked online. So now, so as of this moment, wasn't yeah. there a story this week that it was uh, that it was coming off? Jaime, didn't you share that? I don't think I linked it, but I think I had that somewhere, like on Twitter, right? That yeah, that was that, that was different in our, series getting removed off of Crave real soon. That was in our Slack channel with our fans. You've got uh, yes from Twitter. For those of you who watch Star Trek via Crave in Canada, the, these are the dates listed for the removal: July twenty fourth, Prodigy. Star Trek The Animated Series, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Short Treks will all be off of Crave. And as of July 31st, uh, the original series, The Next Generation, Voyager, Enterprise, and Discovery will all be removed. From Crave? From Crave. Oh, because of the Paramount Plus thing, I guess, right? I guess that must be the cause, but essentially we are now going to be down to just New Trek is the only thing that's going to be left Mm. on Crave here in Canada. And that doesn't even include Prodigy and Short Trek, so you can't even watch the Short Treks anymore which are actually tied into the season of Discovery, which makes no sense. Yeah, I, I was just thinking I, got, I wanted to watch um, the Garrick series on, on uh, Deep Space Nine because I, did, I didn't watch the, much of the later seasons. Right? I watched, you know, yeah. for a while and then got bored. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Discovery is the weird one on here too, right? Like, there's still a season to go. It's coming off of, off of Crave. July 31st, according to this, this uh, update from Trek Central that, that Jaime's got in our show notes, or in our uh, in our Slack channel, Discovery is coming off of Crave. You won't be able to watch Discovery on Crave. Now well, I don't know. It'll be on our socialized, uh, you know, sci- um, science sci-fi TV, though, right? I don't know. In theory, I don't know. It, it's it's not available on there. I I don't know if you go to you know CTV Sci-Fi's site yeah. or if you go to their if you have a, a cable subscription if it's still available there, but. Uh, it's very peculiar given that there's still a final season to go that that would come off. Maybe this is the beginning end of the end of our socialized sci-fi. I don't know. Oh, I have to upgrade. Either way, this is a pretty big blow to, to Star Trek here in Canada. And it's pretty big blow to Star Trek fans everywhere that, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you guys can obviously share your perspectives. I didn't love everything about Prodigy. It was probably my least favorite product they were putting out, but that's not to say I wanted to see it canceled, and I certainly understood the value of it, and I certainly thought we would at least get one more season. I really didn't think it was going to go on ad infinitum. I kind of felt like, it, by the nature of its story, it wouldn't be very good to... Even I, I found they kind of fleshed too much into the first season. You know, I thought they could probably wrap it up with a second season. It's just disappointing that we'll never get to see it, or probably at this point. Yeah, well, according to my CTV app, I have to sign in to watch it, but I do have an account, so because I, I can see um, all all the treks are there. But yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens, including all the old uh, Deep Space Nine stuff. Yeah, it's, of, it's, it's, it says they're coming off in July, according to the this Twitter. No, post. no, I'm looking in space. I'm looking in the space app, not. Uh, but that's the thing. Space, so so sci- it's quite possible TV, that I mean? they'll they'll come off there too. It, that maybe that's like I, I would keep an eye on that next month. Yeah, you know what happened to me with, with Resident Alien, too? Like, you know how I was watching that on, mm. on here? Um, I was watching it on my Apple TV, and all of a sudden, you have to... I, like, I, I only watched, like, maybe, like, 8 out of 10 or whatever many episodes there was in the last season, and I can't watch it now. I have to pay, you know, to get it from Apple as a TV show. So the same thing happened with Resident Alien, which is really strange. 
So weirdness, yeah. like all this sort of like death by a thousand cuts, like I've been calling it. Mm-hmm. That's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I don't know. It's going to be this. Going to be this. Like, like well, <laughs> I mean, we could talk about in the same sense, you know, how Facebook is removing Canadian news feeds from uh, their 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 apps because. Uh, I guess the Canadian government is forcing them to pay the newspapers for those feeds. Yep. And now I heard today that Google is Google's going to do the same thing. So like, it's like, do we need a, like a Canadian search engine now? Like, well, makes no. no sense. What, what we, that being the Canadian public needs to do is start paying for news as you always oh, should have. Yeah. Yeah. You should stop yeah. getting your news for free. You should start paying for quality journalism and you should buy a subscription to the products that you care about. As I do. Well, I, I have a I have a subscription to the Star, and and we have a weekend subscription to the Star as well. So, yeah, but yeah, I don't care about the other papers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, sorry, Globe and Mail. You the to, you the reality is, there's there's been part of the sort of decline of journalism, especially here in Canada, where we are pretty small potatoes. Is that the the social sites have started aggregating all this information and sharing it. They're not giving any money back into these places that they're stealing information from and have been for, for ages. They have not kicked a dime back in and they've cornered the advertising market, which means it's impossible for those places to have quality advertising to support the journalism. By the way, I have my soapbox out and I put a soapbox on top of my soapbox. It's yeah. Like rea- realistically, if people are miffed about this, go pay for your journalism. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, like back in the old days, and Jonathan and I both have history working around newspapers and newspapers for newspapers. Jonathan was once an editor of a major Canadian newspaper, um, but the front page anyway. The uh, the the way it worked was classified ads would pay for um, the paper itself, and then and then advertisers would pay, right? And um, since the internet's come along, classified ads have completely dried up, right? Yep, because uh, you just Go online to find stuff now, right? And and for free, right? It seems, right? Just have, just have to give up your social identity and watch a few, you know, weird ads, hairy hairy shaving ads, whatever. And um, so classifieds are dead, and and now advertising is dead. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, like I, I, you know, when Jonathan was working for the Star, we continued to have a subscription to pay for part of his salary, but like not much, <laughs> you know. Uh, we paid for his coffee in this coffee in the coffee machine, pretty much, right? Yeah, they were too cheap for a coffee machine. Oh, well, it's because they don't have subscribers, I guess. <laughs> That's right. That was the first thing to go. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that you know, and it sounds like this stuff is going away. I, I mean, like to me, it makes sense that it's going away because they want people to buy Paramount. Oh, wait a minute, it's coming off Paramount Plus. Yeah. So this is Star Trek. Yeah. This is like yeah. extra weird for a few different like oh just I, prodigy sorry yeah well yeah. so it's not if from the star trek series it's just prodigy but this isn't the only show in paramount plus um uh, queen of the universe the game and the greece uh rise of the pink ladies prequel series is also gone mm. and that one like just like the the ink is still wet on the film sort of thing right yeah, like, they, they just that one, yeah. that. Um, so i think if you were an exec you definitely, and, and I granted, I don't know, maybe the, the strategic property is just like way too expensive for what this is. So just to give them the benefit of the doubt, but strategically, Wait, this doesn't feels... Paramount own Star Trek? Yes. Yeah. So this is strategically like kind of doubly problematic because you have a, a miss on the opportunity to create the equivalent of what Disney, or I should say, maintain the equivalent of what Disney has been 
doing and maintaining with shows for kids. Like I'd say Rebels and Clone Wars tend to skew a little bit younger than like Andor, right? Right. Um, and Prodigy Year was one that skews a bit younger. It doesn't mean it's only for kids. It's a lot more family friendly and it has stuff that like if you grew up watching Voyager, you'll definitely enjoy the show way more. So you, you have that sort of parent and child, you know, watching the show together thing. You know, mm -hmm. they're they're losing that now. And then because they lose a Star Trek show, Paramount Plus, I think, had just finally, just recently gotten to the point where they had everything, every show, every movie, and etc. You go to Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus is where you watch stuff. Uh, this is really weird because it breaks that promise. And it's like, oh, well, whatever. Paramount Plus is just yet another streaming service because who knows if next week they will have any of the Star Trek shows. Like, it's not to say that they will do that, but now it starts creating questions as if you saw, like, you know, a major uh, uh, character show from, like, the Disney cast just be like, oh, yeah, that's spun off and it's over on Amazon Prime now. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess mm -hmm. Disney Plus is not where I watch Disney stuff. It's just another place to stream. Well, okay. Well, in lighter news, um, Warner Brothers uh, produced a poster for the uh, French Barbie poster. You know, the Barbie movie just came out with um, uh, Margot Robbie. Robbie. What's her first yeah, name? Margot Robbie, yeah, and, and uh, our, our Canadian boy. Um, actually, a couple of Canadian boys, because I think uh, Simi Lou is in it too. Hmm. But uh, the the headline or the poster reads El Pou. Elle peut toi faire, and lui c'est juste Ken, which means she can do lots of, she can do anything, and he just, and the word Ken in France is a euphemism for the word we can't say on the show. <laughs> sounds like fire truck. <laughs> but, uh, so, so the, the, I mean, like it's, it's hilarious from the, from the point of view, the Hollywood reporter reporter has said here that, you know, like, like they, they knew what they were doing. Like it's a double entendre in French that, you know, when they made this poster, like, cause it, it says in English, you know, she can do anything and he's just can. Right. But yeah, it's, I think it's hilarious that, that they would go that far to make this impossible for us to report without losing our rating. <laughs> anyway, that's cool. Lot, there's going to be a lot of, Barbie stuff in this show, so hang on. Uh, over to Jaime for the next one. Um, I guess in in the other, maybe not so kid friendly, but enjoyed by children categories, where we'll put this one. Uh, you've got the you know official trailer. I think we had the teaser before, if I'm not mistaken. We have now the official trailer for the Five Nights at Freddy's uh, movie, which is coming out October 27th, uh, simultaneously in theaters and streaming on Peacock. So this is the FNAF, F-N-A-F. -F. If you hear the kiddos talking about FNAF, this is the game that they're talking about that is now uh, being made into, or has been made into a movie about the um, Chuck E. Cheese-style animatronics that uh, get a little creepy and murderous if you've, hmm. uh, if you've played the game. So uh, thoughts, gentlemen? Do you guys have any experience with this, if only uh, vicariously through the, the youngins in your lives? Yeah, that's the I mean, I've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way I I really know it is I know it was sort of part of the zeitgeist for for my kids, but other than just sort of seeing the products around, I've never really dipped into that world, but I I do know uh, as you referenced Jaime, it's it's extremely popular amongst a certain generation. Yeah, there's a bazillion games. There's like I'm not too far off just guessing. There's like 15 to 20 games, I think. Um wow. The the indie dev 
Is it there like there are 15 titles under this FNAF thing? Yeah, there's like, you know, the the core series, uh, Five Nights at Freddy, you know, like one, two, three, four, etc. And they usually have some oh, okay. know, interesting subtitle. And then there will be like these side stories where it's it, it's almost like its own cinematic universe. If you look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, by the way, speak, speak, <laughs> that's interesting. But speaking of grease, grease, uh, greasy kid stuff there, Hummy, um, I, looking, I, I'm sure you're looking forward to the next episode of More Than Just Code, which is going to come out next week. I interviewed an engineer who actually wrote the Smurf Berries. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's a way long callback to the like, rise of freemium and, uh, you know, what happens when your kiddos get into in-app purchases. Yeah. I don't know. You know the story about the Smurf berries, right, John? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Smurf, yeah. Smurf Village? Yes. Yes. Buy more, buy more, buy more. And he said that's the reason why there's now the 15-minute timeout on, on Apple purchases on iTunes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Sorry, I digress. Back to the show. Oh, this is, and Jaime and I both picked up this story, but I'll let Jaime lead with it, because technically he put it on the notes first, and I always get in trouble for <laughs> jumping the gun. <laughs> For folks who uh, enjoy both more than just code and podcasts, uh, in the it's sort of weird because it was two episodes ago released, but canonically comes later in the timeline. <laughs> it's three sixty seven was just released recently, and I'm talking about three sixty. Tim was rather enthusiastic about uh, a pick that I had, and I just let him. Oh run no, hang it. on! If you go back and listen to that show, I did not say. This is my pick. I said, we only have one pick. And then I started in on it. So I didn't take claim to that pick. I said, we have a pick. The collective we, the, the royal we. Yes, the Sorry. royal we, not not the royal me. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> Nevertheless, I'm sure, I thought for sure, in fairness to you, Tim, that, that one of the three of us would have picked the Futurama official trailer, new season coming out on Hulu, at least in the States. July 24th. I didn't take a look Disney to see Plus. where it is. Yeah. Disney Plus for you all? Okay, Same so day. just yeah. everything uh, Hulu American, just make that Disney Plus Canadian? Yeah, more or less. I, I mean, we talked about this around the uh, How I Met Your Father kerfuffle that they were delaying that by months. And so we talked about whether or not this would be simultaneous. And it is, thank goodness, simultaneous release in, in uh, on Disney Plus here as it is in, in Hulu in the United States. So now I'm confused because Tim has a different link. So the link that I have says July 24th. Mine has the trailer in the story, but it's more about the headline is based on what's in the trailer, like the story in the trailer. Yeah. Mine says July 24th. Yours says July 26th. Oh, I didn't get that, that. that. Yeah. I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, bank on that. That's bad reporting from them. <laughs> Somewhere that week, either on a Monday or a Wednesday, <laughs> you'll be able to enjoy this show. <laughs> Oh, and you're are you talking about the fact that I just published 367 now, is it? And 368 was already out. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it just happened to be the way the the, the way the uh, in the can worked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look at this. Just like Saturday, you know, Rogue One came out after A New Hope, but canonically takes place prior. So true. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. However, unrelated. Anyways, what's interesting about this was is the title of mine, which Jaime's getting skirting around here, says Futurama's revival is unfrozen and back from a different time, which made, made me go, what? So I dug into the story. And, and if you watch the trailer, it's kind of like they come back from the past somehow. And the references in the, in the trailer are 
like they're older references, right? Like they're not, I mean, like they're like maybe a year or two out of date. Like, isn't there like some pandemic references in there and stuff? Yeah. yeah. But they've been yeah, working like on this for a while too. Explovid or something. I think yes. that was the, the quick hit that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Good news, everyone. Good news, everyone. Good news. Oh, and this is this one caught my eye because I'm a, a fan of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, and I, there was a couple of stories I saw earlier this week, but I just I grabbed this one because it talks about both of them. And that is the Superman Legacy, which I think Jonathan's talked to us about before, has cast their new Superman and their new Lois Lane. And it's David Cornish-Sweat and Rachel Brosnahan. And um, which is, I, I kind of wonder, like, so in the lore, is Lois supposed to be older than Superman? Jonathan? Uh, um, I mean, yeah. She's supposed to be more I, worldly, right? Yeah, I mean, she's supposed to have grown up in the city, and he's supposed to be from this little small town in Kansas, so there's always supposed to be that sh that shift. It, it It's not clear what the age difference is, and over the course of, obviously, the 80-plus years that, that the character's been around, there's definitely been different iterations I think you could interpret that the Margot Kidder character from the Superman movies might be a, a couple of years older than than the Christopher Reeve Superman character and Clark Kent character. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a it's a wild stretch if she's a, a little bit older than him because you know what's wrong with that, Tim? What's 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 wrong with being into older women, Tim? Oh, he's he's only three years younger than her. Okay, it's, it's, okay, I get it. I, get you. I know what you're saying. No, I mean, I, I, I mean, looking at his picture, he looks a lot younger than he actually is. I guess, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, she, she's like in her thirties, and he's just coming up on thirty. It looks like so. Yeah. Well, right. I'm sure by the time they put a, a Superman uniform on him, he'll look more grown up. So when will this show be canceled? It's not a show; it's a film, and this is part of the oh, okay. James Gunn reboot of the DC universe that is coming in 2025. So. Again, who knows? Maybe there'll be a tax write off around this one too. But uh, I, I think we should consider naming the show, you know, uh, tracking sci fi tax write offs. So is it going to be like this kid lands in a cornfield, gets raised by a couple of people, goes, decides to go, he wants to go to the city, gets a job as a reporter, and she's the ace reporter, and he's the, the kid, the bumbling kid, and there's going to be a grumpy editor and a running, kid running around with a camera? Is that the I, general plot line? I. I'll be curious to know how that does play out. I mean, I hope what they do is what they've done with Spider-Man and some of the, the more evolved characters, Batman, over the past few movies, where they just take it for knowledge that people understand the legacy. I mean, the movie's mm. called Superman Legacy. I, I'm okay. hoping that they just kind of drop you in the middle of it, and maybe they just sort of pepper in a few lines about, you know, growing up in Kansas and coming from a planet far, far away. So that we don't have to go through all that origin stuff once again. The yeah. image that they keep using, that DC and Warner Brothers keep using to promote the, well, prior to these hirings of of uh, the Superman Legacy film is from a book called All-Star Superman that was published uh, well, about a decade and a half ago. And that book is very much, it's, it is, I mean, it may as well be called Superman Legacy. It's basically like... What are the best things about Superman? Let's tell some stories mm -hmm. that highlight what is best about Superman. Just the idea of hope and just integrity and you know honesty and just all these things that were the admirable qualities of, of Superman that made him this great iconic character. 
and just sort of focused on that. I'm, I'm hoping it's more sort of true to that mentality and doesn't just feel the need to recycle old storytelling over and over and over again, because I just don't think that's necessary. I mean, maybe there's a whole generation I'm taking for granted that just doesn't know who Superman is. But I mean, we just had another retelling in Man of Steel. That was what, 2015, 2015? 14, yeah, like, it was 14, 14. It was WWDC for that one. Yeah. yeah. So like not that long ago, we've already gone back through this. So I just don't think there's a need to go back and, and retell that story. Hopefully they'll just jump right into the meat of it and be like, hey, we're already here. Mm. Here's the deal. Jump in. We're going to tell you a good story. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I've lost track of who, who played his dad, you know, either Costner. Was it was Costner Kevin Costner one. or Russell yeah. Crowe or <laughs> well, it's your um, dad or stepdad or adopted dad yeah, I don't know. or um, Marlon Brando. Or, yeah, that's you know. right. That's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. They think they really need to do the um, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse version of like, okay, really quickly, you know who Spider-Man is, but if you don't, here you go, quick 30 second rule and then they just progressively get shorter and shorter and that is they do different variants of spider-man i like the way they do it in in the spider-verse movies he just goes okay here it is and he rattles off a couple of facts and then they carry on with the movie right just to get it out of the way yep which is kind of like you know if you went into a movie with your friend and they sort of said who are these people you'd kind of like rattle off a real quick you know as you grab a handful of their popcorn explanation is what what's what right mm-hmm so I'm up next. We've got uh, the new trailer for Dune 2 dropped just today, and it gives us a little more meat than the last one. The last one was very much just sort of beautiful imagery. I got, we did get to see uh, Paul Atreides riding on a sandworm, but this time we get a little bit more dialogue. We get a little bit more different characters, uh, including the first look at Christopher Walken as the emperor which is pretty neat um he's oh he's the emperor yeah oh. referenced obviously in the first movie they talk about the emperor but we never actually get to, to meet him uh, that early in the story here we get our first look at uh at walken as the as the emperor and he's he's kind of in the trailer slamming uh paul Atreides dad and uh yeah it's sort of a little bit more of a robust look at this and um it i, I don't know what to say beyond it's still looks incredible it looked incredible in the first trailer the first movie looked incredible i'm looking forward to a little bit more of a uh a conclusionary story we do obviously get to see the a little bit more in this one we get to see austin butler as um uh harkonnen the the crazy harkonnen that was played by sting in the in the original movie um mm -hmm. i'm trying to remember his name is he's somebody like he's a loony what's his name i have it right here Yuck, 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 yuck. Fade Rautha, the, uh, the, the Harkonnen prince. Um, so he's the one that's bald and walking around, and he's got the knives. And so he's just oh, like, him. Okay. just the character yeah. that was played by Sting in the, in the 1980s version, this sort of loose cannon, psychotic um, Harkonnen killer that, that, that Paul Atreides battles. It's interesting that those guys were filmed or shown in the trailer in black and white, as opposed to the sort of gray Dooney color, right? Well, again, I think we're supposed to be back on the Harkonnens uh, inside House Harkonnen, right? Where things yeah. are like that. I think this is supposed to be before they come and, and have the battle. But uh, yeah, Unless I mean, it's it looks, a flashback or something. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Now I, I watched this. I watched the. You know, has you know, as, as you do, you have YouTube running, and and if you let it go too long, it runs into the next thing, right? And I think I was watching the Dune trailer, the the first dune 2 trailer and it rolled into some guy doing a breakdown of it in which case he called it dune not dune and but he said that uh he read somewhere that um 
Danny Villeneuve said there was going to be more, much more pew pew in this in this version of the of the movie. Where the first one, people sort of said was some people said was kind of slow. It's kind of a slow story, but um, apparently there's going to be a lot more guns a blazing in this one, and we could see that in this trailer, right? There's going to be lots of running around with knives and and stuff like that, right? Yeah, just, the sandworms were so, always sort of the coolest thing in Dune. I think I remember back when it was a pulp paperback that you know there was a cover of yep. the sandworm coming up out of the ground and in a famous cover, um, almost like a Ralph McQuarrie. I don't know who who did the original art for next week. We'll we'll talk about that. But <laughs> um, yeah, just sort of the worm, the big giant worm thing was always. I mean, they kind of played that up in in the other Dune movie, which you just mentioned, but it didn't quite as come as successfully as it did in this particular one right so yeah yeah cool looking forward to another imax experience for us all yeah definitely definitely an imax watch for sure Mm -hmm. i wanted to flag this one i've been following this for a couple weeks since this was released so there's a new documentary that's on disney plus so there is a new stan lee documentary on disney plus and um, there is a lot of controversy around this new documentary that's on Disney Plus about Stan Lee because it really kind of highlights Stan as this sort of solitary creative genius behind the inception of the Marvel Universe and, and sort of profiles him. Starts from obviously his beginnings when he was just humble Stanley Lieber and then sort of working his way up to becoming this iconic character that he created for himself, Stan Lee, and then right up until his his death in 2018. There has been a bunch of blowback. Now, I saw it like the day after it dropped because, again, I'm pretty tied into the comic community. There was a lot of people, especially older creators, who took a lot of exception with the portrayal because there's always been this lingering issue of. How much did Stan do versus how much did Jack Kirby do and how much did Steve Ditko do to create this, you know, thing that has now become a fundamental part of pop culture. And Mm -hmm. the documentary does not apparently, in the opinion of a lot of people, including the family of Jack Kirby, do a very good job of highlighting the fact that this was a very collaborative and certainly... um, not isolated creation of this thing. This was not just Stan. This was very much Jack was instrumental. The way that they created things was often that Jack would draw the art and then Stan would do writing afterwards. So, and same thing for Steve creating Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and stuff like that. So it it's become a bit of a, a kerfuffle. And so there's an article that we've got linked in here where, you know, The family has basically, you know, written a statement saying, this family of Jack Kirby, that is, saying, it's not any big secret that there has always been controversy over the parts that were played in the creation and success of Marvel's characters. Stan Lee had the fortunate circumstance to have access to the corporate megaphone and media, and he used these to create his own mythos as to the creation of the Marvel character Pantheon. He made himself the voice of Marvel. Uh, and the story goes on to say that um, unlike Jack Kirby, Stanley had, quote, limited knowledge of history, mythology or science whose tropes and elements are often incorporated in there and that this, these were all things brought to the table by Jack. Uh, so this is again from Kirby's son. Are we to assume Lee had a hand in creating every Marvel character? Are we to assume that it was never the other co-creator who walked into Lee's office and said, Stan, I have a great idea for a character? According to Lee, it was always his idea. My father retired from comic books in the early 1980s and, of course, passed away in 1994. 
Uh, Lee had over 35 years of uncontested publicity, much naturally with the backing and blessing of Marvel, as he boosted the Marvel brand as a side effect of boosting himself. So, I, you know, I think the bottom line on this is, if you are going to take the time to watch this documentary, and I've heard people say that there are certainly nice things in here, and again, I've interviewed Stan, uh, I interviewed Stan before his passing, uh, I know lots of people have met him and said he was a, a lovely person, but he's undeniably a showman, and undeniably he leaned into the legacy of, I'm the godfather of Marvel Comics, and they probably have not done an adequate job of of incorporating the role that these other very important creators played in bringing this thing to life that is now so important to so many people. So go into this documentary, feel free to watch it on Disney+, Plus, but just maybe keep it in the front of your mind that as much as they are doing a job of this, remember that who has produced this movie and who has the most to gain from this movie highlighting Stan Lee are the people that own Marvel, and that would be Disney, and Disney Plus is owned by Disney. So... You right. can choose to interpret how you will, but it does seem like they have not done a good job of reflecting the contributions of many other creators who probably deserve equal praise for some of these incredibly iconic creations like the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, the Hulk. Keep going down the list, you know, like, yeah, it's, 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 it's a bit of a challenge. Once again, I'll return my soapbox to its upright position and the last thing i've got i wanted to to flag this one because we do like to check in on the streaming services so the folks at blogto have pointed out this week that uh netflix has quietly removed its basic streaming plan from canada so you know obviously on the heels of this giant crackdown that they've done on on password sharing and you know they've started adding all these different you know elements the prices continue to go up and up and up now they have apparently not, uh, they've decided to discontinue the basic $9.99 a month Canadian package. This was the package that basically allowed you to watch it on one screen at a time, you know, just have a With real, no ads, right? With no with ads, no right? ads, but one screen, at yeah. time, one screen at a time, no ads. It was Netflix basic. They have now gotten rid of that. So your only options are basic with ads, $5.99 or jumping up to standard which is 16.49 a month and that is two screens at once or you can go up to premium which is 20.99 for up to four and then there's obviously there's quality variations in there as well so yeah so there's no middle ground now you're either paying six bucks for ads or you're paying 16 bucks plus tax for for the next tier up um it's again it's a strange way to do business but uh, clearly they've got their reasons but if you but if you have the basic now, you're you can keep it according to what I was reading. Yeah, that's what it seems to but, say. But you cannot but you like if, as a new subscriber, you will not be able to get the new the old basic. You only get the new basic with ads or you know, the other two platforms. And I think the sixteen ninety nine has one shared account for extra eight bucks, and then the the premium one has two shared accounts for seven bucks each, eight bucks each. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Well, I mean, you know, interesting. May you live in int interesting times. The, uh, <laughs> you, may you live in monopolized, greedy times. Yes, yes, sir, Bob. So this is going to be the summer of, like, IMAX movies, and I'm kind of looking forward to this one. This is kind of interesting, but there are the Barbie movie and the Oppenheimer movie premiere on the same day, and there are some movie theaters that are running them as a double bill. 
right? So <laughs> there's all kinds of memes on the internet right now. Like you, you showed the picture of the pink house. Well, somebody showed a picture of the pink house burning as one of the memes in, in this article here, right? And and there's all these pictures of people like, because it depends on which order you see. If you see the Oppenheimer movie first and then Barbie, you'll come out with a big giant smile on your face. But if you see the Oppen, or Barbie movie first and then the Oppenheimer, you'll come out crying, right? So there's all these memes of, you know, different uh, pictures of Pedro Pascal before and after, uh, depending on which one he's seen and that kind of stuff. So I've got, you know, I actually do want to see the Barbie movie. I don't know. If I'd, I mean, I suppose if it's an IMAX, I'd like to see it in IMAX, but it'd be kind of fun to sort of sit through a double bill of these two movies just, just for the sake of science, right? But yeah, talk about diametrically opposed stories. But, and it's funny because, you know, the, the line in the trailer for the Barbie movie is, have you ever thought about dying? You know, which is which is the problem. She, you know, in, in the story or at least the trailer alludes to the fact that she lives in this happy little world where every day is great and yesterday is great and tomorrow is great. Right. She hasn't even lived tomorrow. And she knows it's great. And then she says, you know, in the middle of the trailer, like, have you ever thought about dying in the hole? You know, the record stops, the needle scratches, it comes to a halt and everybody kind of looks at her. And then she, she goes off into the real world with with Ken and, uh, you know, mad, you know, madness ensues. But. You know, so it's kind of funny that, you know, that's the, the turning point in the Barbie movie, apparently. And it's also the turning point in the Oppenheimer movie, right? So, does uh, be fun. I like this better when it was called the Lego movie. Like, didn't we do this already? Everything is awesome. <laughs> oh, wait, it's not? Like... Yeah, I, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm not so sure that that. Uh, yeah, but I think it's funny. Like, if you, if, you know, as as the father of the the brother of girls and the father of girls and the grandfather of a girl, um, I've had Barbie in my life for a long, long time. You know, so um, all the sort of memes that that are or stories that are, or jokes that are in the movie are sort of things that I lived through. Right, so. Mm. Me, you know, so there is a kind of a connection there, right? You know, I was so, I was just going to watch it at home, kind of thing, but you know, but yeah, now now I'm kind of intrigued by this double bill idea, you know? Yeah, yeah. the um, the meme that I shared with you guys the other day that that had me in stitches was the as you said, there's a a house in California that's been all decked out in Barbie pink to promote the movie, and the the comment that somebody made on it, which was just pure genius, was you know. This is the way that they're marketing this, you know, top this kind of thing. And, and the, the line was basically, you know, top this and Oppenheimer has the opportunity to do something super funny to promote its movie. Mm -hmm. You know, most well, so, yeah, in the like I said, in, they've taken that picture you posted and they've they've put it out. They've put, you know, had the as if the house is burning now. And it's like, you know, filmed by Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. I think my my favorite meme out of the ones from the. The hyperallergic hyperallergic dot com article is the uh, the like dash cam view of this pink mushroom cloud going up in yeah. the neighborhood. That's, that's probably my favorite. Yeah. Oh, and there's going to be a Barbie console coming out too. Xbox is releasing, or is that for real? Is that one of the jokes? <laughs> I think they do that sort of limited edition stuff. Uh, there's like roller skates of some sort that are, I think, the same kind that they have in the in the movie. The the marketing team for Mattel Barbie has just gone uh, quite a quite a bit. I don't know if you've seen the Progressive commercials, but they have a cross promotion with Progressive Insurance of all things. Mm. Yeah, it's like the Good Witch and the Bad Witch. Interesting stuff. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs, so your plan works for you. 
Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Speaking of interesting stuff... Um, let's all beam on, beam down to Toronto for, uh, <laughs> Star Trek Strange New Worlds episode, uh, season two, episode three, tomorrow, tomorrow and Toronto, oh, Toronto. I mean, tomorrow, tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> tomorrow. I'll say it again. Tomorrow, tomorrow and tomorrow, which I think there was a famous back to back to the past thing called tomorrow and tomorrow, right? Yeah. In the original series. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. What's your pitch? Jaime, you want to go first? Yeah, mine's uh, pretty straightforward. I think it's Laon is swept up into timey-wimey stuff and ends up back in mid-21st century Tirana where she and an alternate reality Kirk must prevent a change to the timeline. Mm-hmm. I went a little more uh, 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 fancy with mine. I got a quote. Time is the wisest counselor of all, Pericles. We learn our lessons in time. Mine is say what you will, but Kirk always gets the girl. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. That's pew pew. I had the the car chase where uh, Kirk, who, depending on which timeline you're in, does or doesn't know how to drive a car really fast, uh, is gunning his car down 
what was that? That was King Street, wasn't it? Yeah, it was King Street. Yeah. Yeah. So he's gunning his car down King Street. Front of Metro Hall. Yeah, right yeah. in front of Metro Hall. And uh, yeah, there was a pretty good, you know, little little bit of little bit of action there. I thought that was probably better than the the fight scene we got at the end. Mm-hmm. Which, as fight scenes go, eh, it was fine. Yeah. So the story, let's recap. Is is I think Jaime talked about it last week, where um, Laon is walking down the hallway and and does kind of a blip, and she sees a man who's been who's injured, he's bleeding. And she realizes he's been shot with a gun. And um, so it's like her, like the, the log is a security, security officer's log kind of thing. And uh, she, he hands her a device and she pushes a button and she ends up getting zapped into Kirk's Enterprise, right? And then um, he's like, who are you? And she says, I need to talk to you in your, in your ready room. And so the two of them are you know, wrestling over the thing and they end up being zapped back to an alleyway in Toronto. And they're actually, it's funny because they're, because one of the things we've been joking about or laughing about is that Dun- young Dundas Square has been trying to look like New York City's Times Square forever. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's got, I think it's got more screens than Times Square does now. It's a little bit smaller than Times Square, to be honest with you. But, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, but, uh, but if you go down there, like now, it's, it's totally touristy and, and, you know, big giant. Hu- I mean, I saw the Tragically Hip do a concert there once with the big projection screens. That's where the AMC that I go see a lot of, or not, is it AMC? Yeah. No, no it's Cineplex, Cineplex now, now right? yeah. Used to be AMC, yep. but that's where they have an IMAX theater and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's like the closest one to my house. And the streets that they're doing the car chase on are the streets that I ride my bike on to work every day. So it's kind of like I, I was looking at this thing going, wow, those are like, like gazillion Easter eggs one after the other. So. And she and they're so they're in they're in Young Dundas Square and she, and he says we must be in New York City and she says no this is Toronto in a place that used to be called Canada yeah you know so but in his world there is no there is no Earth because he was born in the spaceship called Iowa which know? is an Easter egg on its own that is true that is true so what pew pew did you have Jaime mine was the the bridge explosion mm. yeah, it's kind of in the background I do not know Toronto so I don't know if that was like a hurtful, a you know, bridge. like beloved real bridge, or if it was a CGI bridge of like it hasn't been built yet, sort of thing. But it blew up real good. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure it was CGI. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, it looked, it looked, some, it looks. We have a couple of uh, walking bridges that look like that. I kind of looked at it for a second. It went. Mm, it kind of looks like the then, new Cherry Street Bridge that they just finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that. In fact, it may have been yeah. shot from the angle that it was at. It might have actually been the Cherry Street Bridge because you could see the cityscape cityscape behind it well right? they definitely wear the you're gonna hate this discussion Jaime I'm just gonna put that out there right now because we're gonna get into the minutiae of Toronto but uh where they go when there's the, the the bridge has been bombed and they're supposed to be looking for evidence part of that that is right outside of uh, a nightclub where I've gone and seen shows that's right down on Cherry Beach and it's so funny because the angle that they're facing, they're like, this was a hugely important bridge, the world's longest bridge. And I'm like, well, what were they connecting? Because that was immediately yeah. where my brain was going. And I'm like, the angle that it was going, all that would have connected is Cherry Beach to maybe the Toronto Islands. Yeah, So exactly. clearly not the world's longest bridge. I think they were trying to infer that it was connecting Toronto to like, I don't know what like rochester buffalo yeah, yeah rochester maybe? like yeah. i did i don't understand what the rationale there was what what exactly they were going for there but uh that bridge the way they were portraying it was maybe it's connecting mississauga to cherry beach or something yeah cause... that would be great it'd be very convenient for me if you could have this bridge that just like bypasses having to go down the, the gardner expressway 
Yeah, because I mean Rochester and Buffalo, there's no way they could physically make a bridge that long. I mean, well, I mean they could, but it would be crazy it, to do that. Well, and you'd be on it. I mean, it would make the Florida Keys bridges look like a joke. Like it's that's a long yeah, stretch yeah. of open water in and deep water. So yeah, yeah, that's I think the Keys Keys bridges are probably the the longest I've seen. And the Easter egg hunt. I mean, we probably have the same things. I I'm pretty sure my office building is in that show somewhere. Oh, I mean, there were so you know? many recognizable places, but. As they do in these things, when you try and set something in an actual location, then you open yourself up to just a little bit of a problem, which I had with this episode, which was like, they were moving from place to place that were nowhere near one another. Like, they start off at Young and Dundas Square, and the next scene, they're at the lake. Well, it takes about half an hour, 40 minutes to walk from Young and Dundas Square all the way down to the lake or where they were. Or happened to Vermont in, like, a commercial oh, break, right? That was my that was my coup de grace <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the Easter eggs. They're like, oh, we know somebody in Vermont. I'm like, it takes at least, at least eight hours to drive from Toronto to no. Vermont. Yeah, way at more least. than that. Yeah. And that's just to get yeah. to the edge of Vermont. And you have to cross the U.S. border. So right. that was just... And that's an hour. <laughs> and they were just like, hey, well, and they didn't have passports or anything. So they would have had, they say yeah. they bribed a guard. But um, yeah, that part made well, me Well, he played laugh. a lot of chess to make, he must, he must have made a lot of money to get to get like a hotel room in downtown Toronto. Oh, and that was the <laughs> like, thing. And not a little hotel room. Like that was a luxury hotel room. <laughs> sweet. Yeah. And also, yeah. Uh, that was, one of my questions was, how did they pay for that without a credit card? Because what hotel is going to pay, let you pay in cash? For a room yeah, like that, that with a view like yeah. that, I'm like, okay. Anyways, yeah. it was there was a lot of what the heck in there. On it's more like the the hotel from the movie Big when you know when yeah. when the Tom Hanks has to go in. It's this little divey thing that you can pay for by That's the hour. Where or you could pay, or you'd, yeah, like you know, they uh, take cash. So I have I have um, for Easter eggs. I have the Eaton Center, which you could clearly yep. see the name of the Eaton Center. Roots. Metro Hall is Metro Hall is where they were uh, the um, the car chase went by. Mm-hmm. Um, Jump is a restaurant in downtown Toronto. The CN Tower was obviously yep. in a whole bunch of different scenes. Yeah, and Rogers Center was Young in and there, yeah. And the Royal Ontario Museum at the end there, that's that sort of they building that. that's yep. with the weird angles, right? So Yeah, who knew they were doing in eugenics for... studies in the bottom of the ROM? Yeah, apparently, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they definitely, they had, um, at one point when they're like, I'm hungry, and it's the, not the hot dog part, but when they're going out with that, uh, with the the Sarah character to the restaurant that's the lakeside and the lakeside they where they're starting from is on Front Street in downtown right near Union Station that's where they filmed that first part and then they're like I'm hungry we should go and then they cut to them sitting in the lakeside eating poutine which is a funny gag admittedly but the lakeside is on the opposite side of town and you know again I've gone to the lakeside it's a lovely spot I highly recommend it but um, it's it's not nearby. I do have a question, though. Like, I mean, so he's from space. Yeah. And yet he knows what a hot dog is. And yet doesn't know what poutine is. Right. <laughs> well, or, or yeah, the, there's gravy on the fries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's such a Canadian trope, you know? To be oh, honest, I know. Like, I probably, I've had poutine, poutine probably like three times or four times in my life, you know? Okay, well, I've had it hundreds, so I guess I'm, well, I, I, mean, I am the living embodiment of this. Well, yeah, you're just getting up, well, you're just getting to the age where you can't really yeah i should probably not longer, be eating but... french fries covered in cheese and gravy anymore yeah fair, fair. Yeah. yeah no but i actually went i actually went to montreal in business once and and the cab driver picked me up at dorval airport and you know we were we were talking and and i he mentioned i mentioned poutine and he said have you ever had poutine i said no he he stopped the meter turned the cab <laughs> around and took me to have poutine nice nice yeah 
And that was the first time I ever had poutine, and actually in Quebec, right? So yeah, yep, yep. not like this crap we have in Ontario, right? In fairness, <laughs> the first time my my wife uh, we went to Montreal for the weekend, and uh, I bought her poutine for the first time. This was like fifteen and twenty years ago, and yeah. uh, she had it, and she was like, "Oh my god, where has this been all my life?" So there you go. Wait, 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 wait! Your wife, the vegetarian, had poutine. We deliberately checked, and it was veg vegetable uh, gravy. Yeah, so there you go. Even in, okay. even in Montreal, you can get vegetarian gravy. Oh, okay. It was a special kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 There was something I heard the other day, too, that, that I'm pretty sure she eats that I found it just has, has pork in it. Nothing. I don't much. remember what it was, but it was on, it was on, it was on the, um, on the radio the other day on the science show with, uh, <laughs> the, you know, the one on Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bob, Bob McDonald. Yep. Anyway. Um, the other thing that I had for Easter eggs that I didn't put in here is just, uh, it's funny because they're doing the car driving scene and none of the cars in that scene have Ontario plates, which is pretty funny. Oh, really? Yeah. Not one. Not the car they're driving, not the police cars, not any of the cars around them. They all have fake plates. And well, and the cop, the cop insignia was wrong too. It like. was. Yeah. It's not, that's not what Toronto cop cars look like. But yeah, it is. Anyways, it, other than being an unmitigated disaster of, uh, an expression of accuracy in Toronto. Now, maybe it's supposed to be set in the slight future from where we are right now like that was my impression obviously there's a little bit of technology that we don't have there so we'll take it at a at a, at a uh, grain of salt but at the same time you know they do mention duck duck go at one point which is pretty funny yeah. so you know the anyway. apple store too the apple store the apple, guy showed me the how apple to use store guy showed duck, me how to duck, use go. duck duck go yeah um and that scene where they where they go out to see pelia in vermont that where she go into the antique store. That antique store is like just down the block from me here in Mississauga on Lake Shore Road. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, that's so that's pretty funny. They were like right and not far from the house here. But uh, does it say the astrology department or whatever it, it was? It does what not. The name of they it? took down the actual signage to uh, to film that. They must have put up a fake door. But uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. Anyway, outside of our Toronto nitpicking, which uh, again we could probably keep going for a while, I uh, I think there was there was a lot to like about this episode. Although it it did feel a little um, I don't know, there was just something a little off of this episode, and maybe it was just because I'm Christina Chong was playing it obviously very like conflicted, mm -hmm. you know, and and I, and I really mm -hmm. like her. I think she's a terrific performer. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just kind of a weird one where she's like, I I didn't really feel like there was good chemistry between the two of them oh, yeah? even though they mm -hmm. were kind of playing it up like when when you know like she's kind of playing it hard and the two of them are kind of bickering but it wasn't like i just didn't feel a real spark between the two of them which was a little disappointing because i i do like her and i do like um oh what's the fellow's name uh i wrote it down in here Paul Wesley, who plays uh, Kirk now, I think he's good too. Yeah. But uh, it, yeah, just it, something about that just didn't click for me. But uh, you know, outside of that, I definitely felt like there was a lot to enjoy in this episode. Again, it's nice that they finally have addressed her ancestry and how she's conflicted by this and how she sort of is trying to get past it. The no, it was good. The stuff at the end, I, I have a couple of questions. So. She turns out there's this Romulan agent that's been disrupting the past. That's what the big kerfuffle is. Uh, the the Romulan agent shoots and kills Kirk. And even Lon's reaction, like, she wasn't, like, devastated. She wasn't crying. Like, I didn't feel like there was enough emotion in that scene. Like, she didn't immediately get mad. She didn't really cry. She just sort of sat down and was like, you're going to be fine. And then he died. And, you know, anyways, it just something about that didn't sit right with me. But then they go in. 
And instead of trying to blow up this reactor that's going to destroy Toronto, she's going to go and she's going to kill Khan. So we figure out that this mm-hmm. is actually this facility, which is not, in fact, the Royal Ontario Museum, is, is where they've got this eugenics program and they've got these kids. And we see Khan for the first time actually represented as an Indian child, which is a nice mm-hmm. change of pace from the... Uh, uh, Ricardo Montalban. I was going to say, what do we have before? We had a, a Spaniard and a, uh, and then we had a, a Brit play these parts. So that was kind of a little off. Um, so she goes in, she, she has this fight. She kills the, the, the Romulan. The Romulan self-destructs so that we don't have any Romulan bodies lying around the past. She goes in, has this little conversation with Khan as a little boy and sort of accepts like, okay, well, I can't do anything about this. Although it does raise that whole, you know, one of the questions for us could be, if you have the opportunity to go in the past and kill Hitler, do you kill Hitler as a child, you know, kind of thing? Then she decides, okay, well, I've said my piece. And she leaves the gun in the room with the child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then trans- and then presses the button and vanishes in, in front, front of, of him. I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah. Like, I'm surprised when the agent shows up from the Department of Temporal Investigations, they aren't like, listen, <laughs> there's a couple basic rules. One, don't leave guns next to children. Two, maybe don't do a disappearing act into the future in front of children. <laughs> yeah. Like those, those two moments kind of really took me out of it in a moment there. They made a reference and I couldn't, I didn't have time. I was a little busy tonight, so I didn't have time to go and do the research. The, the Romulan agent says this was all supposed to happen in 1992, which I feel like was a reference to one of those, uh, time travel episodes from the original series or from TNG or something else. There was a reference there that I just could not put together in my head. We'll have to think about that for next week. I'll do some digging. I'm sure that was a reference to, because she says, I've been stuck here for 30 years. This was supposed to happen in 1992. Again, I think this was because obviously when you're doing a TV show in the 1960s, you make these references to the future and the future is 1992, not 2023. But yeah, that one, that one's sort of stuck in my brain and I can't figure out what that was a reference to, but I know it was one. Yeah, I think um, according to uh, Memory Alpha, and I'll grab the link here. Oh, God bless Jaime. I knew you'd be The eugenics wars, because she does specifically mention, like, I've been here for 30 years, and I said, hmm, that would take you into the 90s. This was one of my big questions, you know, was this meant to patch up the eugenics wars stuff uh, to kind of, you know, make it patched a little bit where the eugenics wars... Uh, supposedly happened sometime between 92 and 96, right? Um, mm-hmm. But that's been a little fluid with, like, Deep Space Nine's, like, the Bell Riots around that time. Mm-hmm. And what about that Voyager episode where they went back to the 90s and everything looked fine, and in, in, in L.A. at least. And now this route seems to be, well, let's take the, like, Terminator 3 and Beyond movies approach to say, uh, judgment Day is inevitable. It's just a question of when it happens. It's no longer August yeah. 29th, 1997. Now it is some different date, and you, you're just delaying the inevitable. So Khan is inevitable is where I think they're going with it. Oh, interesting. They were talking about here on, on the trivia thing on um, IMDb. They say that Kirk mispronounces Lan's last name as Noonien Soong. Yep. Dr. Noonien Soong was the cybernet- cyberneticist who, invent- who created data. Yeah. Thing. I mean, obviously, he'd, he'd say it wrong because he doesn't even know who um, Singh is, right? Yep. Right, right. So I've got the link in here, uh, along with some uh, co- coincidentally very terrible poutine from the San Francisco <laughs> SFO airport. 
<laughs> Even I can tell you that that's not uh, that's not legit. <laughs> it looks like like I guess you know. In fairness to whoever it was that was producing it, it was like, okay, what do you have? Well, we got shredded cheese, what? like the kind you would throw in like Taco Bell tacos. We got French fries, the kind oh you would have God. like in the burger shop, and, and know, they eh? acquired some some gravy and said, I can cobble together some poutine. Oh. Yeah, let's throw it on the menu. We get oh. enough Canadians coming through here that. Uh, oh. It'll be just like home, right? I am hurt and offended. Yeah, the cheese has to squeak when you chew it. I've, I've yeah. got a picture of Aaron, actually. It's, it's more of a curds. It's not like Velveeta. Yeah, it's, it's not shredded cheese. It's, I would it's trust, a curd. I, I would trust to get a good poutine in Wisconsin or Minnesota, maybe Illinois. I don't think I don't think uh, San Francisco Airport would be my first choice. And that shredded cheese is a hate crime against Canada. <laughs> good Lord. Yep. No thank you, SFO. <laughs> Uh, okay, wow. so let's uh, uh, let's do the the quotes and the big questions. So quotes, there was some. I had some some choice ones. Uh, it, just one that really made me laugh right off the beginning of the episode, picking up off of last week, or uh, yeah, I guess it was last week with Spock being angry. Um, was or it's two weeks ago, Spock being angry and practicing the loot. I will make every effort to practice less vigorously going forward when confronted with a noise complaint. That made me laugh. Uh, when they arrive at Young and Dundas Square, uh, and Kirk says, oh, it's New York. She says, it's Toronto, the biggest city in what used to be called Canada. You know, maple leaves, politeness, poutine. I'm like, well, that's kind of a sums this up very nicely. And, uh, yeah, just another really funny one was, I am your superior officer and I'm ordering you to have a hot dog. And she says, you're, you're, you don't work for Starfleet. You're not yeah, you, my boss of me. You're not the boss of me. Yeah. Did you have any more, uh, guys? United Earth Fleet. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have uh, the I still have a bunker in Vermont in case this whole utopian <laughs> thing turned out to be a fad. Yeah. You know, go sideways, just go live amongst the trees. Yeah. Yeah. Who, that, who that said that? The lady? Yeah, that uh, was uh, Carol Kane. Yeah. So apparently, Carol Kane, like I was reading here too, that Carol, they went, they found her with by using a taxi cab. Oh, would you, and, what would a taxi cab to, to Vermont cost, by the way? Yeah, besides, well, you had the cash, right? And then um, <laughs> her her breakout role was actually on Taxi. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but yeah. I thought, she, wasn't she the wife in The Princess Bride? She was, but Taxi was before that. Oh, was okay. Yeah. And yeah. she played uh, Lotka's wife, that's right? That's right, yeah. Girlfriend. That's mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. uh, my big question. Okay, so first three episodes of this season for Strange New Worlds, we got Stealing the Enterprise. We got a dramatic court case involving one of the one of the main characters, and we got time travel in episode three. What's left on the Star Trek trope list? Trib tribbles, tribbles. Yeah, like what, what? Where else can they go? They got they got seven more episodes, and they've just covered like three of the most infamous Star Trek tropes in a row. What? Yeah, traveling back in time, tribbles. What else can they do? Yeah, some sort oh, of Harry Mudd. Harry Mudd has to come back. Thing. Yeah, I mean, mirror universe kind of thing, although this one kind of covered a couple of bases on that front, right? Because it was like alternate timeline mixed with time travel. Mirror universe, tribbles, special guest star. Harry Mudd. Harry Mudd. Harry Mudd would be great. Androids. I don't know. Stealing Spock's brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just feel like I'm like, that is that's that is just putting it on the table right there. Being... I'm a doctor, not a financial advisor. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> the, that's kind of putting it on the table right there, being like, these are the three biggest tropes that Star Trek has. Time is stealing the Enterprise, 
Like we, one of our people has got it all on the line in a court case and time travel. Those are like three of the big Trek tropes. I, it just uh, onward and upward Star Trek fans. I cannot wait to see what they cook up for the last seven episodes of this season. Yes. Well, just have to wait and see. A couple things came to my mind. Uh, where to start with this one? Let, let's go with the, the Canadian flavor one. So in, in here we have the con is canonically Canadian. Uh, and, and I wrote down here, is this the ultimate blame Canada situation? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> because you could spin it as like, well, this was like the terrible, you know, event that, that pushes humanity towards, towards utopia. Sure. But like a lot of people get killed. So there you go. <laughs> um, the other one is related to, um, Kirk and where we know that, you know, uh, prime-ish universe Kirk is going to go with uh, his relationship with Khan and the fact that uh, Khan is La'an's ancestor. So, mm-hmm. so I wrote down, so dating your co-worker's child is creepy, right? Can we agree to that? <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this. Same thing with grandchild, right? Like, it's, it's still creepy. So where's the line? Exactly. Where does the descendant's distance become not creepy? Yeah, that's that's the uh, the thing for the philosophers to ponder. <laughs> it's funny, you know, you say that because I was watching one of the classic episodes of Star Trek the other day, and it was the episode where they meet um, basically the guy who's like Johannes Brahms and Leonardo da Vinci. Um, he has and he's he's living in the future and he's made this robot girl. Right. And um, like she's basically an android. And. And of course, he's writing Brahms concertos and he's painting Leonardo da Vinci paintings with contemporary art and contemporary materials. And Spock's examining them going, yes, this is definitely the work, but these are like done last week kind of thing. Right. And of course, there's a scene where Kirk gets the robot girl by herself and they start making out. (laughs) There is no line with Kirk. Yep. So, Tim, you're, you're the uh, the BFA here. What was the famous piece of art that Pelia had stolen? Oh, I didn't. I didn't recognize it. Oh no. Okay. I thought. I thought maybe that was like some iconic. No, piece it, or something. it should. It should stick out. Yeah. It did. It did look like something that would be at the Louvre, but I didn't. I didn't notice it. I didn't really recognize it. I'm sure it'll come up next week by somebody will have point pinpointed it. I'm sure. I'm sure. We can always do a Google image search. Image search. Can we can ask help, get the uh, AI to help? Yeah, it's gonna say ask the AI to help us. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the uh, Marvel um, Secret, Invasion. Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion Man. Um, now, I, I watched this one kind of weirdly and out of order. So, like, my timeline is I, I did watch it in order, and then I went back and watched a few scenes that I kind of didn't quite grok right away, but um, I watched it really late last night. So, yeah. What was the episode called? Promises. Promises. Okay. And that's the, uh, that's, that's the arc of this one for sure. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not. Uh, it's not getting a lot of favorable press. Nope, nope. It's definitely uh, a slow burn for sure. And some people mm-hmm. are on board, and some people are very not. Hmm. I may. What did you have for your uh, pitch for this one? I have uh, things heat up as Fury finds out more and more that maybe he doesn't know everything. Hmm. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. I had a uh, note to Nick Fury. If you're not careful, your past will have a tendency to catch up with you. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, I'm Nick Fury, and even when I'm out, I'm in. Yeah, that was uh, that was a great line. And, and yeah. filmed really well. Like, yeah. the, the, you know, you could you could print out that, that make it your poster kind of thing. It's very memeable. It looks it looks cool. It looks impressive. Um, I, I really thought kudos for the cinematic choice that they took there for that scene. Hmm. I do have a question, though. Why? Like, like the beard, right? I mean, like, could he grow a beard? Or is it like, does he have to glue it on? Or don't you find the beard weird? It, it, yes. But again, I guess it's symbolic, right? Like for the first few episodes, he's supposed to be not himself. He's supposed to be different and older and weakened. They deliberately are showing him with a limp and they're showing him looking older and he's not wearing his eye patch. I think it's all about painting this portrait of him as this not himself. And the whole thing is kind of a redemption of, you know, can he rediscover himself in time to stop whatever's happening here? Right, right. Yeah, he's been to Tahiti as well, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. My uh, my my best pew 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 is Samuel L. Jackson versus Don Cheadle, uh, or Nick Fury versus uh, Rhodey, if you prefer. But the two of them going toe to toe in that bar and just trading lines—that was some excellent acting. Yeah, I thought the uh, the um, Olivia Coleman versus the Finger was oh. Or, yeah, and, that was pretty harsh. And she is is that that great character you come across. Was, I mean, she's a phenomenal actor. She always has been. But yeah, the part where she's torturing him with the big smile on her face and the bright red outfit with the lipstick and like she is just this absolute sociopath with a big grin on her face, just doing horrible things. Like she's she is an absolute highlight of this series so far. I mean, did you have a different pew pew pew? No, I just wrote, wrote um, Rody fireballs because it's oh. not only with the Nick Fury scene, but also goes into one of my quotes, which is, "If Slovakia rolls its <laughs> eyes at me, I'm going to put on the suit of carpet bomb." <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, it's funny because last week I sort of speculated that uh, that the Rody character in this might be a, a scrawl just because of the setup that they show. They don't really give him any time to really talk very much, and he's accompanying the president. It seemed like a good setup for a scrawl, but after watching this week, I I recant that one. I just don't think there's any way that the, that that Rody is is a scrawl. It doesn't make any sense. The president, on the other hand, I'd be willing to wager is, uh, but we'll wait and see how that plays out. Um, yeah, Easter egg hunt for this one. There was definitely a bunch. Uh, at one point, they mentioned Alexander Pierce, who, of course, was the Robert Redford character from Winter Soldier, tying this into the Winter mm -hmm. Soldier, which, of course, Nick Fury played a big part in. And then the part where uh, Gaia is looking through the computer, trying to figure out what the machine in Chernobyl is for. And we see a few references. We see it referencing Groot, and we see it referencing the Frost Beast, which was from uh, Thor the Dark World, for the people who have deep memories of that. And uh, Cull Obsidian, so that ties into Wong chopping off Cull Obsidian's uh, hand in New York. So they obviously they've got samples, they've got tissue samples from all these creatures, and, and they also mentioned, mentioned Extremis, which is of course from Iron Man 3. Uh, so they've clearly, they're trying to find ways to uh, use these different abilities to create Super Skrulls, which... Uh, checks out, because there has been a Super Skrull character in the comic books for... Uh, decades and decades and decades that in the comic books originally has all the combined powers of the Fantastic Four, which would be uh, the stretchiness of Mr. Fantastic, the invisibility and force field powers of uh, the Invisible Woman, 
It has the uh, the physical strength and sort of rocky uh, appearance and parts of the thing, and it has the flames of uh, Johnny Storm, the Human Torch. So in this case, perhaps we'll get something that's a little more aligned with this that has some some Groot, some Frost Beast, some Cull Obsidian, and some Extremis. Either way, I think we might see a, a pretty nasty version of the Skrulls later in this series. Hmm. Interesting. The other thing that I kind of saw is it's not really a direct easter egg but the piece of meat hanging behind olivia coleman in that torture room mm. reminds me of a painting by francis bacon i've seen that one yeah or, yeah yeah it's it's a couple of pieces of meat hanging and there's like a, i think it's a picture of the pope in the middle or some you know a religious leader he wasn't very wasn't very kind to the people he painted but that that it's, it's not a direct lift but it but that's what it reminded me of right so and if she was wearing purple then even more um, any Easter eggs from you, Jaime? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it counts as an Easter egg, but they mentioned that Gravik, as a child, survived an attack by the Kree, so that ties mm-hmm. us in closer to the Captain Marvel, uh, so we know who the, the, the Kree are as a as a people. We've seen them, and so this ties into that, which has uh, been in the comics for quite some time, the, the wars between the Krees and the Scrolls. Yeah, and they they do make a few references to Carol Danvers at the beginning, and then later on. So obviously they're they're making it clear this is tied to those sort of larger events, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know obviously this whole episode is about you know it, it bookends with with Fury obviously making the offer to the Skrulls, hey, if you help me uh, to protect the Earth, I'll in turn go out into the universe and try and find you a place to call home with with Danvers, and then we know that that promise clearly was not met because that's why Gravik is using that as his motivation to to try and take over the Earth, right? Right. And there's one more um, one more thing is the, um, and this is an inline um, fact check from last week where uh, Fury says, we're not calling the Avengers because so, basically he says we don't want the Skrulls to copy them. Mm. We were talking about how is it that they were able to replicate uh, the people that they 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 do, and we there was a question of whether they they bury the, get their their memories from by putting them in the the, the Borg you know regeneration chambers, or um, or just by like the one the one character who who looks at Fury and then replicates him and then fools um, what's her name into thinking it's him uh, Fury in fact, but so I guess by not having Thor and you know all the other Avengers Captain America and all that kind of stuff come. Uh, then they can't copy them, right? So yeah. that ex- sort it sort of gave us the fact check from last week. <laughs> That's why I put it here in at this part of the show. Yeah, I had the uh, a bunch of good quotes in this one. You know, the, the the opening one that is the most telling one speaks to the whole episode is "You keep your word, I'll keep mine." And you know, obviously that goes way off the rails. Uh, I did have the same one that you mentioned, Jaime. The uh, if Sablakia rolls its eyes once at me one more time, I'm going to put on the suit and carpet bomb it. That was excellent. Uh, the one you mentioned, Tim, I'm Nick Fury, even when I'm at him in classic. I did really like the line that he throws when he has the conversation with uh, with Talos and finds out that there are a million scrolls on Earth. And he goes, you're telling me there's a million scrolls walking around us right now? Have you lost your reptilian ass mind? <laughs> <laughs> such a great Sam Jackson line. Like, only Sam Jackson could deliver that. I just did no there justice to it. There are snakes on the plane. Yeah, yeah, on the MF and plane, yeah. Oh, God, so funny. The The big question I had, and I, I think I can immediately uh, refute it, but I did want to float it for our conversation, was does Fury 
know that his wife, which we see at the end, so Priscilla uh, is his wife. At the end, he comes home, he walks into the house, and we see him kiss this woman. She looks like a beautiful African-American woman or British-American, uh, British, a black woman. And uh, sh- we don't know whether or not she's, he knows she's a Skrull, right? It, oh, yeah. But when we see her in Skrull form, when he's walking into the house before he sees her, we see her as a Skrull, and it's clearly the same woman that we see at the beginning of the episode with Gravik. So, and there's a reference in the first episode to when he's having a conversation, when Fury's talking with Talos, and Talos says something like, are you sure this is, you know, are, are you sure this is the only reason you're doing this? Uh, you know, sort of alluding to there being another reason that Fury is taking this invasion possibility and what Gravik is doing personally. And to me, that speaks to because your wife is a scrawl. Mm-hmm. Do you do either of you take this as he knows or doesn't know one way or the other that his that his partner is a scrawl? Wait, so but wasn't he up in space? He was at the beginning of this series. So like, where was she? That is an excellent question. Yeah, yeah, that was my my big question here of like uh, has Fury's wife always been a scroll? And I didn't catch the the other stuff that you did, so. Uh, I, I was a little bit less sure before, and now I feel like he probably does know, and yeah. uh, and that's why it's more personal to him. Mm. Yeah, my, my interpretation is that he does know. The part I don't, I, I don't really have clarity on is were they separated all this time? I mean, the idea is that he he was an agent and theoretically was was on Earth and had this partner for a certain amount of time. He dies during the blip or the snap. And is gone. Whether or not she's also gone, we don't know. And then when he comes back, he immediately goes up to Saber and is up there for a long duration of time because Talos says basically like you you buggered off and and didn't really yeah. weren't really here to help. The question is, was his wife on Earth the whole time? She doesn't. The reaction you'd expect if he had just come back from being away for years would have been, "Hey, you butt, where were you? Not let's let's smooth, right?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird. I wrote the very awful once you go green, can't be seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, Jaime. <laughs> there you go. Wow. <laughs> yep, yep. Sometimes I'm just in a mood sometimes when I write these, so you don't know what you're gonna get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that uh yeah, that that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Goodness me. Well, um, the other thing that uh, I didn't put into Easter eggs, but worth mentioning. So uh, at one point they mention uh, Emperor Drog, Drogi, dear Drog, the Emperor of the Skrulls. That is a character from the comic books. That is a character that plays a, a role in the Secret Invasion, invasion comic book storyline. So uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will just say I would be surprised if, since they didn't make a point of mentioning him by name, that we did not see Emperor Drog at some point. Hmm. So, as you mentioned off the top, Tim, uh, it's not not lighting the house on fire. Some people were pretty lukewarm on the first episode. I thought the first episode was was fine. It was good. I was interested. Again, I like a lot of the performers. It was a slow burn, but it was fine. It wasn't the best Marvel thing I've ever seen, but it was fine. This one was, again, a bit of a slow burn. And when we're talking about something that's only six episodes, we're now a third of the way through and still hasn't really, you know, it's again, it's good. It's not great it's good 
but especially coming off the heels of a spy thriller in Andor, um, it kind of pales by comparison. Like you can't help but look at this and be like, well, Disney Plus just made a show not exactly the same as this, but not un- unlike this, that was maybe the greatest television show of 2022. Yeah. It's, it's not that. It's certainly not that. But is it terrible? Or is it just not as good as you think the ingredients should add up to? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying I'm not enjoying it, I think, but I'm just saying it's gotten a lot of negative press, right? So, so obviously the majority of people out there don't really like it. That's the gist I'm getting, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I listened to a couple of pods over the last week and read a couple of articles. One pod, they were quite critical of it. And the other pod, they were quite positive about it and really like really absorbing all the minutiae and trying to read things into it and and really yeah like way into it so it really does kind of you know depend on who you are your mileage may vary i don't know what uh what are you taking away after the first couple of weeks yeah hi may i'm curious what, what are your what are your takes after two episodes or one third of the season i'm still here for it i know i do understand that it would be kind of a challenging series to bring somebody new into the fold like you kind of have to contextually know a lot about how we got here and i don't think it's very standalone i think it feels a lot like the falcon and the winter soldier where you know it's a little bit more straight up normal people stuff for the most part except for the shapeshifters right it's it's more um you know action spy thriller type uh even if there's not a lot of of pew 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 going on it, it fits in that mold so I'm enjoying it. Um, I probably have been retrained by Andor to wait and see what happens on the slow burn. So it sort of has, that series has changed my, my perspective. Um, so I, I think that this show fits in kind of a different model of stuff than something like, I don't know, like Loki or, or WandaVision or some of the other um, earlier ones that were fairly big. Like you come in, you, you watch this, this crazy thing. Uh, whereas this one is not quite um, Ms. Marvel of, like, here's an introduction to a completely brand new character. If you're coming in here, they kind of explain enough. This one, I, I give them credit for trying to explain and showing the flashbacks and stuff, but I still kind of feel like you'd have to at least really know the Captain Marvel movie pretty well before you could take this one on. So yeah. um, I think there's a lot sort of working against it for that, for sort of casual, broad enjoyment versus. This is kind of more for the the fans of the comic books and or the MCU. Like you, this is hopefully starting to pay off for uh, the the many series and TV shows that you all have taken in so far. It's funny because I I looking at it abstractly, I thought this one would be a more accessible piece in that it, in spite of the fact that it was about an alien invasion and a secret alien invasion at that, I kind of felt like it might be more accessible to a broad audience just because it was set on earth it was a little grounded nick fury's you know a human with no special abilities other than being extremely intelligent and 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 educated but it's i can agree that it's a little impenetrable at at times like i mean obviously for for people like us that are way into the mcu you kind of pick up a lot of the references for me obviously as a as a huge comic buff i've got a few more but it's not quite as user-friendly as i thought maybe it would be that would be, and again, I and I'm saying that as somebody who is enjoying it, I will continue to watch. I don't have the same harsh criticisms that a lot of people do. I don't think it's by far. I don't think it's the best thing that the MCU's done. But I don't. So far, I'm not like this is this is garbage or anything. Like I think there's 
definitely room for it to to get better, but I I get what they're going for. They really are kind of yeah, like they're slow burning it. It's a spy thriller. You 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 shouldn't do uh like if you do an all action spy thriller, what you get is you know, uh, mid eighties, James Bond movie, which are uh, arguably fine, but they're action movies, not spy movies. You know, this is more, you know, um, I don't know what John le Carré or born over bond. Right. All right. Should we move on to our watch list? Yeah. What do you got for me? Um, it's like, I'm taking a stand here and saying that folks should absolutely at least watch the the main title sequence for Strategic Prodigy, it's on YouTube, on the uh, the Paramount Plus channel for YouTube. Um, this intro, uh, I would still argue it's the best song intro for the New Trek series. Um, basically anything that's been this new era since uh, CBS All Access, Paramount Plus, or like Discovery onwards. Um, I think it really slaps if you just listen to it and... It's kind of neat to see the visuals that they incorporated for all the different characters. So if you're if you're like me and, and you tend to normally skip intros, this is an intro I never skipped uh, when watching this show on Paramount Plus. I, I I agree with you. It's it's definitely one of the best. I really enjoyed the one for season three of Picard. I thought that was a nice the way they integrated the mm-hmm. old and the, the new. I thought was also a real uh, definitely up there for me. Um, all I had this week, uh, I, I read a graphic novel that I've been putting off for a little while. I had bought myself, uh, last year when it came out and I finally had a, got to the point on the stack where I got to it, uh, is a book called Ducks by Kate Beaton. It's not quite a superhero story by any means, but it is a, a, gr- a graphic uh, novel about, uh, this young Canadian woman who, in order to pay off her student debts, her student loan debts. Uh, decides to move from Cape Breton, Nova Scotia to uh, the tar sands in Alberta, where she can make a a lot of money fairly quickly. So she goes and spends two years in Alberta working uh, in where they're doing all the the oil uh, excavation up there and uh, encounters all kinds of weirdness up there. Just it's a, a massive proportion of men to women up there and just her experiences of being a woman up there and also sort of coming around to you know the ecological damage that's being done up there and the effect it's having on a lot of local communities and just it's a really interesting book very highly recommend kate has got a really interesting sense of um just the weirdness of the world around her and uh yeah it's it's a really really compelling read it was uh I think it was Canada Reads. So CBC here in Canada does a uh, a big sort of pick a book that everyone should read kind of um, competition that they do every year. And this was the winner um, a few months after it came out. They, they they got nominated and was the the book that they recommended as the best book to read in Canada this year. So uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's really interesting and. Right now, it's only available in hardcover, so it's a couple bucks. It's uh, I think it's about forty bucks to buy the hardcover. You could probably get it cheaper if you order off of a a larger retailer. Although I always recommend you go to your local comic book retailer to buy these things. Um, but um, I'm sure there'll be a soft cover edition before long that uh, that be a slightly more affordable version if that's your deal. But yeah, Ducks by Kate Beaton, very good. Cool. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you, where will they find you? You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News, or you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash at JPK. And how about you, Hummy? Where will people find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. 
All right, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine, the Mastodon machine. Still waiting for that blue, blue sky invite. <laughs> uh, so until next time, we'll see you in the future, or maybe we'll go back to the past. Who knows? Or maybe in Toronto with some maybe poutine. P- poutine, get some poutine. Yeah. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. This is John Luke Picard. Shut up, Wesley. Sorry, say again. Just the tag. Gotcha. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. You guys, you know, <laughs> we don't always have to talk, talk about, about sports. sports. We can talk you about don't all always. Kinds of wait a minute. Like, 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 let's do a supercut. Let's do a supercut. These guys not talking about sports. That would be a long supercut if you decided to do when Jaime and I digress into our uh, our passion for sports. Yes, mm-hmm. that is true. Yep, that is true. No argument from me or the fans. Well, I will. Uh, I will go off topic and say, man, my house is quiet this week. After a very busy last weekend where we had uh, oh yeah all of our of people. family coming up from Chicago and uh, you know then we had company with with uh, you know everybody came over for a barbecue and uh, everybody cleared out on Tuesday afternoon including Julia my cousin who had been living with us for the last ten or eleven months and now there is just the four of us and our dogs and this house seems quiet and not mm-hmm. in a bad way but mm-hmm. also in a slightly unsettling way you just keep after that long, you just keep expecting to turn the corner and see another person or, you know, just have another yeah. chore to do. Or, and then the last few days, it's just felt like eerily quiet. Yeah. Huh. That is weird. Mm-hmm. And you know who I'm going to see live and in the flesh on Monday? Mr. Mr. Tim Mitra? Uh, Darren is coming with his uh, wife and their two sons back from Seattle. Wow. They are they're here. They are visiting for a few weeks. They're going to... We're gonna have a little little get together up at Kate's place in Richmond Hill and uh, or Stouffville, nice. I guess, and uh, see the whole gang. I'm very excited for that. That's the only plan we have for the long weekend. But uh, I've not seen Mr. Darren, and uh, this was the best man for my wedding. Uh, Jaime, uh, have not seen him in the mm-hmm. flesh for a number of years. He's been uh, ensconced working for Microsoft in uh, in uh, Washington. Redmond. So, yeah, yeah. This is somebody I went to high school with who uh, went through the University of Waterloo engineering programs and then uh, was doing co-ops and ended up getting hired right out of school to go work for Microsoft and moved out to Seattle and never looked back. That's the guy. Mm-hmm. So excited. I've uh, We've not, not met his children live in the flesh, so that'll be really interesting. Darren the dad. Darren, Darren the dad. Mm-hmm. That is an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. Well, considering you knew him as the... 
teenage boy who threw up on your front lawn, I guess. <laughs> all comes one, one of one of the teenage boys <laughs> that threw up on my front lawn. Well, to be fair, all of them will be there. Quint's going to be there, and and Gord's going to be there, and yeah. So yes, and they all, they've all thrown up on the front lawn, all, including Adrian the, and yeah, Stefan right, and right, yeah. Jason and a whole crew of people that enjoyed your hospitality over the years. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, pretty good. I mean, is how does your long weekend work? Are you so? Saturday is the first. Do you get Tuesday off next week? Tuesday, uh, July 4th, Independence Day. Or 4th of July, as folks kind of shorten it here. Do you, do you like take the Monday to try and squeeze in like a long weekend, or you just get that sort of day in the middle of the week kind of thing? Uh, officially the one day, but uh, a lot of folks take, you know, this Monday, a lot of folks are going to be out. Some will just go ahead and take the entire week because you can get, hmm. you know, longer than a week by taking just four um business days off mm-hmm. if you want especially if you you leave kind of early on friday the 30th of june and you're really not showing up you know back in the city if you wanted to if you wanted to go out and do something until july 9th so it's kind of a you know like nine and a half days kind of thing that you can do mm-hmm. with the family um uh, i will only be taking uh, probably just a single day off and uh not doing anything special for that, but that's just kind of what folks end up doing. Um, and unless Fourth of July ends up on like Saturday or Sunday, then you, people try to take advantage of being able to use it as a, a nice little extra day there. And yeah. some companies do uh, sort of move their their Fourth of July observance day to just give you a day off around this time of the year. Our company's closed on Monday and Tuesday. Oh, nice in Ch- in Chicago, but not me. I mean, I have to work on the. Uh... Tuesday. Yeah, we uh because Canada Day falls on a weekend, we are we get Monday as our uh day in lieu of a holiday being on a weekend. Yeah, same so. here. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Good. I don't really know what to do about Canada Day anymore. Like, uh, you know, what are you supposed to do on a uh, you're supposed to go see fireworks? I don't know. What's what is Canada Day event-wise anymore? I'm not knowing. Definitely took a bit of a knock of, over the past few years with uh um some of the Truth and reconciliation stuff that's happened up here have kind of put a bit of a damper on the idea of celebrating Canada and its inception. There's been a mm-hmm. a lot of reflection on what exactly we were doing here the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were talking about the uh, Julie Black uh, changing the lyric to mm-hmm. "Our Home on Native Land." Yes, yes, indeed. Yes. Yep. It's an interesting one. All right. To see Indiana Jones or not to see Indiana Jones. Jaime, are you going to a cinema to see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? Probably won't. Um, I guess it could happen if people are like, oh my gosh, you really have to see this. Um, so I won't be like there on day one. I, I could be open to seeing it as, uh, as Buzz builds up on it or something. And Tim. How are you, John? No, no, I'm asking you, sir. Oh, I'd like to go. Would you? Yeah. I I still feel very lukewarm about this one. I and I and come I, on, feel the water bridges in it. I and mm-hmm. I love her, and honestly, she's way more compelling <laughs> a draw for me than eighty year old Harrison Ford is at this point. Yeah, I um, yeah, I don't know. I just I I have such sour feelings about the last one, and yet I know the ingredients are better on this one. I I do like Phoebe Waller Bridge very much. I think James Mangold, who directed this, is a very talented director. It'll be the first Indiana Jones movie not directed by Steven Spielberg, which is kind of weird. So I have a question. Uh, here's a question for you. Mm. Is Tom Cruise in it? He is, in fact, not, to the best of my knowledge, in this movie. Okay, then you have no reason not to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'll be honest, the last two times I saw Harrison Ford, and he is one of my all-timer favorite uh, movie stars and has been my entire life since I was a little boy. But the last two movies I saw him in in the theaters were the uh, The Force Awakens, which is yeah. not great. and he's, Which wasn't, wasn't his fault. Yeah. And he's not great in it. And uh, they disposed of one of my all-time favorite movie characters in, in that, which he was very supportive of, which, again, doesn't sit well with me. And, and the last Indiana Jones movie, which, in which he felt kind of too not ready for that one either. So I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm waffling on this one. I, I, I don't know. I've definitely seen some mixed reviews already. People saying, you know, it's nostalgic stuff. I, I, you know, some places saying it's, it's big and fun and dumb, um, which is not, you know, I mean, as much as Jaime and I talk about our love of, you know, uh, Pacific Rim and, and some movies that are just, you know, watch it blow up uh popcorn movies and and maybe that's just i maybe it is just a matter of adjusting my mindset maybe i'll maybe if i go and watch it and just can get into a mindset of just you know check my brain at the door try not to be too critical just enjoy it for the adventure it is maybe it'll be great and that and that's the part that's really conflicting me everybody seems to say that this is the last time they're going to make an indiana jones movie they don't want to make any more indiana jones movies without harrison ford sounds like what they're going to do is retire the character although that may just be until he passes and they'll decide to do it 20 years from now. But it sounds like they don't intend to do any more Indiana Jones with him or without him for a while. Mm-hmm. And there is a part of me that says, just like you talked about going and seeing Raiders recently, it's the last chance to see Indiana Jones on a big screen. And that's kind of, yeah. that's, it's, it's a hard I mean, pull. Raiders was Raiders was really good on the big screen. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw it on the big screen when I was a kid, but uh, I must admit I haven't seen it since then. I saw I saw all of... Uh, well, I, that's not true. I didn't see Indiana Jones and the uh, Last Crusade in the theaters. And I'm not sure why. It was 1989. Maybe I was just too invested in Batmania at the time, but I didn't see that in the in the theaters at the time. I did see Raiders and, and Temple of Doom as a kid in the theaters. But, yeah, I've never seen Temple of Doom in the theater. But um, I don't... Yeah, I just, uh, I, I'm really conflicted. On one hand, I, I just don't want to get disappointed again. Like, that last one was really rough. Like, that is a bad movie. It's a genuinely bad movie. There's really not a lot of redeeming stuff in there. The The plot is farcical. The performances are campy and not very fun. Uh, you know, Shia LaBeouf. I mean, I, I just, yeah, I, I really didn't care for that last one at all. The the whole nuking the fridge meme that, that came out of that one. Yeah, And yet, there's still this part of me that, in spite of all those factors, is like, yeah, but it's Indiana Jones, man. Like, that's one of the defining, you know, again, you know, Tim, I have a Raiders of the Lost Ark poster on my wall here at the house. You know, it is Mm -hmm. absolutely one of the most beloved characters in pop culture for me. The You know, I read all the books and the comic books. I had, you know, the posters. He was just bigger than life. We all played Indiana Jones in the schoolyard using, you know, willow leaves or willow reeds as a as our whips you know like it yeah it's it is a strange you know my brain says no and my heart says yes you know the question is does my heart say yes enough to go and pay you know 20 bucks to go see it on a big screen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i am definitely going to the movies this weekend though it's my wife and i talked about it and we're going to go see asteroid city this weekend Oh yeah, that's the Wes, Wes the, Anderson. The Wes Anderson one. Yeah, we're gonna have a date uh, sometime in the next couple of days. We we looked at it's playing at our local cinema, so mm-hmm. we're gonna go and see that for sure. Is it in regular? Yeah, it, I mean, 
as you'd expect with these things. And, and a, on a week when your choices in the movie theater are Indiana Jones, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, The Flash, Transformers Rise of the Beasts, uh, Elemental still out there, Fast X is still out there, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is still out there. Uh, needless to say, the Asteroid City is playing in a smaller theater <laughs> at the local mm-hmm. Cineplex. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a small little hundred seaters and stuff like that. But I've seen uh, Wes Anderson movies, a bunch of them in the theaters. And uh, no matter what you see them in, it's I highly recommend you get the chance. Go see a, a Wes Anderson movie in the theater. He's such an interesting filmmaker. Yeah. He not, mm-hmm. He's not for everybody. He, some people find him too kitschy and, and, and twee, and I get it. But his attention to detail and the way that he films his movies is so interesting. They They all need to be watched more than once. And they really are a visual smorgasbord. There's so much interesting symmetry and some and symbolism and color and just they really are interesting. And they've gotten, in my opinion, sort of progressively more interesting, uh, you know, sort of Royal Tenenbaums on. Um, so, yeah, I, I am. I'm looking forward to seeing this one for sure. And again, talk about a monster cast bonkers who's in this movie, like everybody yeah. under the sun for Tom Hanks and Scarlett Johansson and, you know, go down the list, Adrian Brody and, you know, Brian Cranston and Tilda Swinton and Tom Hardy. And it's just, yeah, it's bonkers. Yeah. I've seen a number of his, his films in the theater, but obviously I saw the Royal rolled down on bombs at first. And then I seen the Darjeeling tea one. Mm-hmm. I saw the life aquatic the hotel, the Budapest one. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen life aquatic in the theaters. In fact, I haven't got all the way through that movie yet. Oh, really? Uh, I didn't see the the one the animated one with the um, the Island of Dogs. I think. Yeah, I love Dogs. I love Dogs is really good, and so is Fantastic Mr. Fox. The the two animated movies he's done are both been. Really I haven't good. seen either of those two. Yeah, yeah. Actually. Well worth a watch. Funny performances, um, uh, even in the voice acting. My favorite is Moonrise Kingdom of his films. Um, Sherry, yeah, I saw first, that one in the theater. Yeah, too. it was the first one I saw in the yeah. theater, um, and really, really enjoyed it. it. Made me go back down the rabbit hole of trying to see the other ones, and, and really sort of. I already seen. Have you seen them in the theater or no? Which one? The other, the other movies, like. Um, I've seen a handful, but not all of them. Um, okay. And I really, I always had a soft spot. I love Rushmore. Well, I saw Rushmore in the theater too. Actually. Yeah, as I say, I, I saw Rushmore back in like a, way back in the day um, when it came out. Um, but yeah, big fan. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what Astro- Asteroid City holds. That'll be on uh, next week's watch list, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, well, let's keep an eye on the Indiana Jones stuff and decide. Uh, I'm sure it'll be in a prime time spot in the theater for at least a couple of weeks. Although, uh, as you mentioned, that uh, what's that fellow's name? Tom something uh, has Kurs- a movie coming out in Slum- in about two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Ethan Hunt, let's go see the Ethan Hunt movie. Yeah. So I think basically Indiana Jones will be in the, in the IMAX slots for about two weeks and then it'll get subsumed by the, uh, Mission Impossible. I don't know what, please die, Ethan Hunt, something, no, but something. He's, he's getting kicked out by Oppenheimer. So yeah, they only, they're only going to have like a week in there too. So yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. As far as I understand it, like I'll look at the, uh, the release dates, but Oppen, uh, so Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning opens on Wednesday, July the 12th, and it has the run of the uh, the IMAXs until Oppenheimer comes out, and that comes out on Friday, July 21st. So it's he's got like less than two weeks as, as the main ride. Now, I'm sure they'll probably show different screenings different times if there's places that have multiple screens, but 
most theaters only have one IMAX screen, which means they'll probably have to figure out how to how to double those things up. But Oppenheimer's in IMAX, so I don't think there's going to be a long window if you want to go see the Mission Impossible one. You you don't have a lot of time to watch that on the big uh, biggest screen possible. Yeah, yeah. Is Barbie in IMAX? I guess not. <laughs> you know it. I have not seen anything that promotes it as that, and it opens the same day as Oppenheimer, so I'm going to say no. Yes, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it'll be the Ultra AVX, you know, sort of second best, biggest thing that you can you can see it in. Mm-hmm. And just for, uh, I was looking through the coming soon attractions here on the Cineplex app, and uh, so, you know, we've got Oppenheimer coming, we've got Mission Impossible, I don't even know what part this is, 7, 8, whatever, wherever we're at. Barbie's coming up. And I was trying to figure out, like, well, what else is coming out this summer that I'm sort of in for? And I was like, well, Gran Turismo, no. Meg 2, no. I'm like, well, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie is coming. I really wouldn't mind seeing that. And that looks pretty neat. I might I might go see that in the theater. Uh, Blue Beetles coming mid-August. Again, maybe, 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 maybe. Uh, and then, yeah, then it starts just, that's like, there's not a lot much more after that. Paw Patrol, the Mighty Movie, Jaime, is coming in September. I just want to point that out for you. There we um, go. But then, yeah, like, get, then you're pushing into the fall before you get to, you know, some of the sort of the next wave of, of movies. So, yeah, it's um, not the biggest summer I've ever seen as far as, as releases, although we obviously we've, we've, you know, we're well into that season. And, you know, as you point out, we're going to have monsters in a row with uh, Indiana Jones followed by Mission Impossible followed by... Uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer. That's a pretty big four movies. So, but yeah, the best the the next stuff after that I'm looking forward to is all stuff coming out in the fall. It's it's Dune and uh, you know start getting into the this. Uh, I mean, again, the last Aquaman movie, and maybe maybe Five Nights at Freddy's October October Five Nights at Freddy. Uh, yeah, I think it was October twenty seventh, so yeah. right in time for Halloween. Alrighty, should we call it there? I think we're good. Okay. Talk to you later. All right. Talk to you next week, guys. Talk to you later. Ciao. Take care. Bye. 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 Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.